Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, for the first time, we hear what happened inside the Trump White House on January 6th from someone who saw it happen and how the former president wanted to join the riots on Capitol Hill. The dramatic testimony about Donald Trump grabbing the wheel of the presidential motorcade. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. The news tonight about the former president lunging at his Secret Service agent. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. President Trump was warned for days not to interfere with the congressional count of electoral votes by his own White House counsel. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable. Tonight's other top headlines, how long the socialite who helped Jeffrey Epstein abuse young girls will face behind bars. Plus, the rush on the morning after pill after the Supreme Court abortion ruling. And the new details in the deadly migrant tragedy in Texas. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this busy Tuesday night. As we detail for you the bombshell testimony today in the January 6th hearing, history is important. During the Watergate hearings 50 years ago, there was only one surprise witness. It was Alexander Butterfield who revealed there was a White House taping system. Well, in the January 6th hearings, the surprise witness is Cassidy Hutchinson. Then Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' top aide described the then-president's fits of rage that included throwing plates of food, grabbing the steering wheel of the presidential limo, and lunging at a Secret Service agent. Hutchinson said Trump was 
furious that Secret Service agents were keeping some of his supporters outside of the White House ellipse because they had weapons. The other big news we learned today is that Rudy Giuliani and the president's chief of staff sought pardons. That means we now know of at least nine individuals who sought pardons from President Trump in the final days of his term. Let's get straight to CBS's Scott McFarlane at the Capitol with all the new details. Good evening, Scott. Hey, Nora, the House committee and this 26-year-old former aide to the former White House chief of staff painted a powerful picture, beginning with the Trump White House ignoring warnings of looming violence at the Capitol and ending with the chief of staff seeking that presidential pardon. When the day began, Cassidy Hutchinson was a name and face unknown to most Americans. By the end of the day, she'd made history, including her description of an altercation in the presidential limo when his chief Secret Service agent, Bobby Engel, refused to bring then-President Donald Trump to the U.S. Capitol, to which he'd just directed the crowd on January 6th. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. In the early hours that day, Hutchinson said Trump was warned of people carrying weapons, including guns, descending on key landmarks in D.C., but that Trump sought to have the metal detectors removed, concerned they'd reduce the size of his White House ellipse crowd. Take the effing mags away. They're not here to hurt me. Let them in. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol after the rally's over. President Trump was aware that a number of the individuals in the crowd had weapons and were wearing body armor. And here's what President Trump instructed the crowd to do. We're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. As rioters began their attack, the president wouldn't budge. Hutchinson said she asked her boss, Trump chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to intervene. So the rioters are getting really close. Have you talked to the president? He said, no, he wants to be alone right now. She testified Meadows, White House counsel Pat Cipollone, and Trump all knew of the chance of hang Mike Pence echoing through the mob. I remember Pat saying something to the effect of, Mark, we need to do something more. They're literally calling for the vice president to be effing hung. And Mark had responded something to the effect of, you heard him, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. Rioters chanted, hang Mike Pence. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, said that, quote, Mike deserves it. The committee cited Nora's interview with the House Republican leader who urged the president to intervene. As Nora O'Donnell noted during an interview with House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. Leader McCarthy, the president of the United States has a briefing room steps from the Oval Office. Why hasn't he walked down and said that? Hutchinson described her disappointment with the president's 2.24 p.m. tweet. As attackers poured onto the grounds, he wrote, Mike Pence lacked courage. As an American, I was disgusted. It was unpatriotic. It was un-American. We were watching the Capitol building get defaced over a lie. In the final moments of the hearing, 
Hutchinson said both Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani sought pardons. Trump responded to the hearing, saying Hutchinson's story was a fake story and that he hardly knew her. Nora? Scott McFarland, thank you. Let's turn to our esteemed political team who were all here watching this unfold with me. John Dickerson, there was a lot that made today different. There, there was. We've seen the outside picture on January 6th. What this was today was the inside intimate portrait, the closest look we've gotten to President Trump on that day and his inner circle. And we were given that view by someone who had a unique perch. Hutchinson worked for the chief of staff. That is like being in the air traffic control tower of a White House. So she witnessed the frantic lawyers running through the hall, the pleas from the members of Congress, and her boss, who wilted in the face of a president who was encouraging violence, ignoring the warnings, and even lunging at his Secret Service agent would stop at nothing until the violence started and then did nothing for so long. Stunning, really. Jeff Pegues. I mean, that was part of it. President Trump knew there would be violence. What about other law enforcement? Yeah, and that's that's a good point. Early on on January 6th, the White House, we found out today, was getting warnings about the potential for violence. In fact, there were reports that some people were there in the crowd armed with AR-15s or handguns, even spears, and yet the inclination was, hey, let's not beef up security, let's lessen the security there, because President Trump wanted his supporters there. And as you know, I was in the crowd that day at the Capitol, and it was clear to me and others at the scene that police were outnumbered. It took hours for the National Guard to show up. So this testimony today, Nora, raised serious questions about security that day. Jeff Begay's, thank you. Robert Costa, what happens now? We are at a historic crossroads. All eyes turn to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Does he look and evaluate this new evidence and believe that it rises to the threshold of indicting a former president of the United States. A weighty decision for the former judge carries enormous political and legal implications. It's also a decision point for the Republican Party. You spoke to House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy on the day of the Capitol attack. What will they do now after digesting this new information, this testimony? Will they still embrace the former president? And re remember, he's eyeing a, a return, a comeback, a 2024 presidential run. Robert, Jeff, John, thank you so much. Well, tonight, former British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell is sitting in a New York City jail cell after being sentenced to 20 years in prison for helping Jeffrey Epstein sexually abuse underage girls for nearly a decade. CBS's Jerika Duncan is outside the courthouse. Good evening, Jerika. Good evening, Nora. It was a moment that even survivors were not expecting when Ghislaine Maxwell spoke directly to the very women that she abused, wearing a white mask and shackled at the ankles. For the first time, she addressed the court for about five minutes, telling victims, quote, I am sorry for the pain that you experienced. She stopped short, however, of accepting responsibility for their abuse. Now, a total of eight women submitted statements to the judge today. Five of them were read out loud, including that of Annie Farmers. You may recall she testified that she was abused by Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell at the age of 16 years old. She told reporters when it came to Maxwell's apology, she said it was hollow, but she thanked her fellow survivors for coming forward. Now, Ghislaine Maxwell's legal team is planning to appeal that guilty verdict, but if they're unsuccessful and that 20 year sentence stands, Ghislaine Maxwell won't get out of prison, Nora, until she's 80 years old. Tarika Duncan, thank you for covering this case for so long.
Well, tonight, the battle over abortion rights has shifted to the states where political and legal fights are currently underway, including Texas, where a judge today ruled that abortions can continue, at least for the next two weeks. Here's CBS's Lilia Luciano. The abortion battle lines have shifted to the states. We are hearing very loud and clear from our bases that this is a beginning. In Texas today, a judge allowed clinics to resume abortions up to six weeks of pregnancy, but only until the next hearing in mid-July. At least for today, we can say that uh, abortion providers cannot be prosecuted uh, for, for at least the time being. It's one of three states where courts have put bans on hold, with Wisconsin's attorney general suing to block a ban from taking effect there. Nine states currently have abortion bans in effect, including Tennessee, where as of today, abortions after the sixth week are now illegal. The next battle over reproductive rights may have already begun after Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas suggested the court should reconsider the case protecting access to contraception. Several major pharmacies like CVS and Rite Aid are imposing limits on the purchase of emergency contraception, also known as the morning after pill following a surge in demand. If you don't have that option, then you're just stuck with options that are less effective. Elizabeth Dowdy says she and her husband don't want children, so she has an IUD. But she lives in Louisiana, where a law this spring would have banned abortion at fertilization, making IUDs and emergency contraceptives illegal. That bill failed. If an accident happens, I don't want to have to travel across the country to a state that's willing to have it. That shouldn't need to happen. Here in California, voters will decide whether to amend the state's constitution in order to protect the right to abortion during the midterms on November. Nora. Lilia Luciano, thank you. We want to turn now to one of the deadliest incidents involving trafficked migrants in history. Tonight, the death toll has risen to 51, and authorities are looking for answers after migrants were found abandoned inside a tractor trailer in the scorching summer heat. CBS's Omar Villafranca is in San Antonio. I believe we're going to need more medics. I, so far, I have about one, two, three, probably about six or seven more patients that I can see. A horrifying scene for first responders. Okay. I believe we could use about two or three more bodies inside the truck for backboards. An abandoned 18-wheeler filled with migrants in San Antonio's triple-digit heat. Very sad to report that we, um, the medical examiner's also has 51 bodies, 12 women. Initially, 16 survived and were taken to area hospitals. Five later died, including children. The patients that we saw were hot to the touch. They were suffering uh, from heat stroke, heat exhaustion, uh, no signs of water in the vehicle. The chaotic scene is a familiar one on the U.S.-Mexico border. Human traffickers are known to use trucks and trailers to smuggle people into South Texas. Over the years, officials have discovered stash houses filled with migrants waiting to board trailers to their destination. The journey is dangerous and oftentimes deadly. Two people are now facing weapons charges as Mayor Ron Nuremberg is demanding a full investigation. These were inhumane conditions and we want the people who are uh, responsible for that to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. It's worth noting that the trailer that was found behind me was just off of Interstate 35, which goes all the way to Minnesota. Interstate 10 also cuts through San Antonio, and that goes from California to Florida. 
Both are popular routes with smugglers. Nora. Omar Villafranca there in San Antonio. Thank you. President Biden secured a major victory today, convincing Turkey to allow Finland and Sweden to join NATO, that in the face of Russian aggression in Ukraine. Here's CBS's Nancy Cordes traveling with the president in Madrid. This is the handshake that paved the way for the most significant expansion of the NATO alliance in nearly 20 years. I'm pleased to announce that we now have an agreement. Famously neutral for decades, Sweden and Finland rushed to apply for NATO membership last month, fearing more aggression from nearby Russia. Late this afternoon, the two countries secured support from the lone NATO holdout, Turkey, in a deal partly brokered by President Biden. First Lady Dr. Jill Biden was conducting her own diplomacy, visiting a refugee center outside Madrid to highlight the 8 million Ukrainians displaced by war. I'm continuing to meet with refugees no matter where I go. For the first time today, the First Lady weighed in on last week's Supreme Court decision. What's your message to American women who are waking up to a very different reality when it comes to access to abortion? Uh, it's, you know, this decision was so unjust and so devastating, but my message is let's not give up. NATO is united right now, but one of the key areas of discussion here in Madrid will be about how to keep all the allies on the same page if the war in Ukraine drags on, fueling gas prices and food prices, particularly here in Europe. Nora? Nancy Cordes in Madrid, thank you. Tonight, we continue our reporting on the hunger crisis in Africa's South Sudan, which is being worsened by the war in Ukraine. Leaders at the G7 summit today pledged $4.5 billion to battle food insecurity worldwide. It can't come soon enough for millions of South Sudanese people on the brink of starvation. CBS's Deborah Pata takes us there. Don't be fooled by the greenery. This village is actually drought-stricken. Nothing grows in its parched earth. It's so dry. Subsistence dry. farmer Nachopera Lemuria used to live off this land, but can no longer afford to even clothe all her children. Sometimes I collect wild berries, she says, just to quieten my hunger. Her own mother starved to death last year. She's convinced she's next. Without food, she warns, you won't find me alive next time you visit. She relies on rations from the World Food Programme, but the future looks bleak. This is it, the last distribution for the year. After this, the community must survive on their own. Uh, Acting country director Arainka Badejo says they've had to suspend aid to nearly two million people here since the start of the war in Ukraine. We're having to take from the hungry to feed the starving. If you are surviving on one meal a day and even that one meal is no longer there, then you are facing famine. The nearest market is over 50 miles away. But Pier Marco also has no food and can't afford to eat. We heard they stopped the aid, she says, because the white people are at war. That war has sent food prices soaring as Vladimir Putin chokes Ukraine's ability to ship vital grain to Africa. So this burst of rain, some of the first in 18 months, is for the moment a blessing. But Lemuria knows it won't be enough. Just tell them we are starving, she pleads. You must help. Tell them we just need food. 
The food that is available has gone up nearly 100%. And even if you could afford those prices, there's a growing shortage of grain due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Nora? Deborah, your reporting has been so powerful. Thank you. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The death toll from that Amtrak derailment in rural Mississippi, Missouri, climbed to four today. Three victims were on the train. The other person killed was the driver of the truck that was on the tracks. About 150 people were taken to local hospitals, and we're learning tonight that this rail crossing was flagged for being unsafe for nearly two years. The battle between the PGA Tour and that Saudi-backed Golf Live series heated up today, with the PGA Tour announcing a major partnership with Europe's DP World Tour. The Saudi upstart poached several Several high-profile players with huge guaranteed money contracts. Well, now the PGA Tour has upped its winnings and made changes to the tour schedule. In an exclusive interview, we asked PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan about the Saudi League. You said we can't compete with a foreign monarchy that's going to spend billions of dollars, in your words, to buy the game of golf. Is that what you think they're trying to do, buy the game of golf? I do. I meant everything I said. I think for us, it comes back to, Nora, focusing on the things that you control. And as an organization with a rich history like we have, where every single week we go into a market, then we make a significant impact. We've raised over $3 billion for charity through all of our tournaments. If you're a top player and you're thinking about how do I succeed at the highest level, this is the platform. And we will be watching. And we leave you tonight with tennis superstar Coco Goff. The 18-year-old battled to a three-set victory, advancing to the second round of Wimbledon. She's looking for her first major title. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Okay. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.